some say we're dreaming that we want to get to net zero by 2050. And to that, my friends, I personally want to give a toast. This is for vision. All the airlines, manufacturers, and suppliers are coming together because they know that everyone is stronger than one. Thank you. This is for the largest engineering companies in the world, Boeing, Airbus, Neste, who are rethinking legacy products and betting on a green future. Thank you. This is for the new kids on the block, Joby, Lilium, Hart, Boom, and every other technology startup that was not part of the last air show that is dreaming and grinding to build a green future. Thank you. To the generations behind me, aviation has pursued efficiency since the Wright brothers' first flight. And we are racing to build a sustainable future. At Farnborough Air Show 2022, I am full of hope. Despite the fact that air show displays did not use SAF, despite the fact that golf buggies were not electric, in spite of the fact that we can't go green overnight, I'm still full of hope. Hope because Airbus managed to get over 10 airlines globally to explore truly green SAF via direct air capture. Hope because Neste will grow its SAF output by 15 times in just a year. Hope because Boeing is, the le is leading an accelerator at Cambridge University to catalyze green tech. Hope because EasyJet is offsetting 100% of its operations today. Hope because Qatar Airways continues to fly one of the youngest fleets in the world. Hope because United Airlines has committed to double the SAF of the rest of the airlines in the world combined. Hope because the World Economic Forum is backing a large cross-industry green alliance. It's called Mission Possible. Take that, Tom Cruise. With this momentum behind us, this is our moment. Let's build this thing together, a net zero future for aviation. In this special episode from the Farnborough Air Show 2022, I asked senior executives in aviation one question. What is the biggest hurdle they believe aviation needs to come over in the next few years to get to net zero? And we will hear from, in the sequence, Akbar Al-Bakar from Qatar Airways, followed by Arturo Barrera, Airbus Latin America, Jane Ashton from EasyJet Follows, and then Jonathan Wood from Neste talks about SAF. Lea Barbara from World Economic Forum then adds to how she's building a coalition. Lauren Riley from United Airlines then talks about their vision. Nicholas Cretin from Airbus then adds the Airbus perspective. Patrick Baudes from MHI RJ then adds. And finally, Sheila Reams from Boeing sums up what she believes is the biggest hurdle that airlines and aviation need to overcome to get to an zero. Enjoy this episode. We in the aviation industry are doing a very poor job of trying to educate the people that uh, aviation is the lowest emitters of CO2 when you look at all the other modes of transportation. If 
you will notice that during COVID, when cars were stopped from operating, aeroplanes were still operating. And even in our full uh, operation of all the world's airlines, we were emitting 2.5% of, uh, uh, we are responsible for only 2.5% of CO2 emissions. When you calculate cars or you calculate ships, which, uh, you know, uh, use uh, heavy diesel, is far more than the 2.6%. Then when you look at themselves using the electricity, most of the large industrialized countries are still burning fossil fuel. And they are not saying that, you know, you have to switch off the power plants. So I think that we in the aviation industry are doing a very poor job of trying to educate the people that aviation is so important for you, for commerce, for traveling, for your own tourism, then trying to restrict its growth by just making it the target of uh, the global warming. Do you feel then sustainability is a communications problem for the industry rather than a technology problem? No, the, the, the sustainability communication we are already doing that we want to be uh, neutral growth by 2050. But we are not educating the people. Now let me go back to the electric cars. Now it's become a big fashion that there will be by 2025 some countries will not allow any more combustion engines. And But did you ever calculate, did they ever calculate that to charge those cars, they need to produce electricity. So though they may have cleaner cities, but they are transferring the pollution to the countryside where the power plants are. Because to generate electricity, to, to charge those cars, if you see how much gen generation of electricity you require to charge one car, see how much CO2 it emitted and how much CO2 the, the electricity plant generated you will see that this is a false economy. How can airlines, especially in Latin America, ensure sustainable growth? Yeah, so what we have seen is uh, there's, there's been a huge demand for brand new equipment and with the latest technology and, uh, and therefore more fuel efficient. Mm. So I think that was the first step. And we see, for instance, in the region that the average age of the fleet is below the world average. For an emerging market, that's a lot, right. you know. So, uh, so on that respect, we see a lot. We see, you know, maybe Latin America was not the region that you would think that is the most uh, advanced and developed in terms of uh, uh, sustainability. But we are seeing a lot of interest from airlines like Latam, Laris, uh, Sky, uh, Azul, and, and so on uh, about uh, sustainability, about being more efficient about their interest in, on, their, on the future, sustainability, uh, trying to use uh, uh, green bonds and stuff like that, right. also from a financial perspective. I, I understand it's the youngest fleet. That definitely helps. But can more be done to ensure that they go beyond at the newest aircraft, at the newest engines, hence lower fuel consumption, but it's still fuel. And growth ultimately will increase emissions in the air, isn't it? New equipment is going to be 20% lower yeah. fuel burn. Uh, fuel burn. That the that the uh, previous uh, aircraft yeah. uh, technology, but on top of that, we are starting to see like uh, we saw yesterday, Latam announcing that they want to join uh, these uh, direct air carbon capture credits uh, for offsetting you know emissions. 
and, and we are seeing Chile, you know, we have a Vuelo Olimpio initiative between all the airlines in Chile the, uh, and the stakeholders around that and us that we announced at Vidae partnering to try to develop uh, something. And, and there is a lot of potential on biofuels. In the mm -hmm. region. I think sustainable aviation fuels in places like Brazil have a good future there. We think uh, there is potential there. So all that is going to contribute. There is not a single bullet, as right. the people were saying yesterday, uh, to, to achieve this net zero by 2050. Yeah. We need to go through multiple ways. And, and I think the, uh, the airlines are more conscious of that, about these different paths. So our pathway for the next 15 years or so is fairly clear. So there's, there's levers such as um, a continuous renewal of our fleet, mm -hmm. Uh, with the Airbus 320 Neo family of aircraft, which will markedly, um, 15% at least, uh, more fuel efficient than the aircraft they replace. Uh, ongoing fuel uh, efficiencies, a huge focus on that. Uh, focus on air traffic management improvements um, and, uh, and, and obviously integration of sustainable aviation fuels into our operations. Um, but in terms of radical technologies, uh, such as uh, hydrogen propulsion, um, that we will see coming on board really from 2035 onwards. Uh, so in terms of, of challenges, I think we'd all like to see that technology uh, maturing uh, as fast as possible. Um, but, uh, but we have confidence um, that, uh, that that will mature. Um, we will need um, uh, hydrogen-aligned infrastructure at airports. We will need uh, incentives and rewards from a sort of uh, a, a regulatory perspective to allow um, uh, sufficient green hydrogen to be channeled towards aviation. Uh, so those are some of the some of the challenges that we see. You've often heard about the chicken and egg supply, which comes first, demand or supply, mm. and actually we need to break that, that cycle. I think we're now starting to do that. Companies are beginning to invest in, in multi-billion dollar production facilities and the sourcing of the renewable feedstocks, as well as also in the new technology for future production uh, methods. Um, but on the, this does cost more mm -hmm. than our traditional fossil jet fuel, but we need to get out of this cycle of thinking, well, it costs more, therefore I can't have right. it. Um, if we look at the cost impact on the ticket price of the average passenger, it's no more than a, a cup of coffee and a croissant at the airport, mm -hmm. uh, at least to take 5 or 10% SAF. And by doing that, we start to create the momentum. We're also seeing a lot of corporates, mm -hmm. uh, both for air freight and business travel, committing to pay for the emission reduction that SAF, usage mm -hmm. of SAF can, 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 can deliver. And that's helping the airlines overcome the, the challenge that they obviously have right now of super thin, uh, uh, wafer thin uh, profit margins. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, 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 it's government policymakers helping uh, set a minimum level of uh, demand, whether it's with mandates and incentives, plus also then voluntary demand. And I think that will get us moving now and we're starting to see the investments yeah. happen. And keep increasing that equilibrium, exactly. right? And going, going up. Great question. Well, I think that um, policymakers, financial institutions, and industry leaders in general, they do have the opportunity to really make the transition to sustainable aviation a successory mm -hmm. if we tackle the three main challenges that the industry is facing. And we should start tackling them now, within mm -hmm. this decade, so before 2030. 
Um, and these challenges are on the demand side of things, bridging the gap, the, the mm-hmm. high cost gap that there is between SAFs and uh, jet fuels, mm-hmm. a traditional jet fossil fuel. Um, on the supply side of things, we need to de-risk the investments on first-of-a-kind SAF plants and second-of-a-kind even, uh, mm-hmm. due to the low TRLs, little experience still, and unmature mm-hmm. technologies in general. And finally, uh, on the biomass um, availability, on the feedstock avail- availability, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we have enough sustainable biomass that right. goes into the aviation sector. Now, a lot of this is going towards SAF. Do you feel that SAF is the big silver bullet here, or is it going to be a multitude of technologies? Well, there's no silver bullet, so we need um, all the different technologies and solutions to come into play. But the one that is available today, the one that is proved, certified, this is sustainable aviation fuels. So that's where, where we need uh, the financial institutions to put the money on building new SAF plants, while we keep also investing and developing other, other technology pathways. Well, the solution that is really going to make a material difference is sustainable aviation fuel, as you know. Uh, the challenge is that we don't have enough of it. So this is fundamentally a supply problem, which is rooted in policy. What we need is the right policy levers that can incentivize production quickly. So it's a bit of a supply and it's a bit of a speed issue in terms of accelerating the progress that we need to see within aviation. It's a hurdle, but probably one that we can overcome altogether. Uh, as you know, the climate challenge that we face is not unique to our industry. It's an energy challenge. I'm also, and coming back to your first question, hopeful because we have the technological know-how, so we know what we have to do. But there is a dependency mm-hmm. on our ability to achieve this target towards how fast the world can develop a renewable energy ecosystem that supports this transition. Mm-hmm. That's where I see the biggest, not necessarily hurdle, but biggest challenge. That for a company like Airbus means whereas we've been used to develop products and we're very product centric, we know how to develop those products. We have mm-hmm. to look a little bit beyond and deeper into the value chain, into the energy supply. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've been obviously um, using cheap and affordable oil. Yeah. Now we need to go into understanding how we reorganize the full ecosystem to be able to feed that. That's the biggest challenge. And perhaps one of the challenges, how do we develop also our mindset towards greater collaboration mm-hmm. and towards, I would say, uh, joining forces in developing an ecosystem that is efficient, obviously for the world, but also for aviation and to be able to have people fly safely without harming the planet. In the yeah, no, absolutely. And collaboration is something that Airbus is leading in. And at the air show at the Farnborough, you basically teamed up with some of the biggest airlines in the world to make a major announcement of airlines doing things together for the climate and you know not against each other and that's that's quite unique isn't it yes it is and i think this is really i would say almost a leap of faith that we take as leaders to be willing to take commitments ahead of the market mm-hmm. that's what we're doing by being the first one to actually have released our so-called scope 3 emissions so that means the size of the emissions of all of our aircrafts when we deliver them over the next 20 plus years will they be flying that's the, I would say, the, the leap of faith that we made as well in uh, defining a tangible and quantitative targets mm-hmm. towards reducing the emissions of our airplanes in their use phase. The first in the industry, we're going to reduce by 46% the emissions of the airplanes by 2035. This mm-hmm. is a very tangible commitment, but one that is relying on the efforts of a global community. <laughs> and we have 
as leaders to take that leap of faith, to jump ahead of the train, if you want, mm -hmm. and then to, I would say, uh, um, get everyone around us. And there are early adopters, and we're glad to see, and that's what we saw also around carbon capture. Negative emissions is a contributing element into the roadmap. Of course, we will need technology. Of course, we'll need enhanced traffic management. We will need sustainable emission fuels, but we will also need negative emissions for yeah. what will be left in terms of residual emissions. Yeah. And that's why we also have to take a leadership position in that moment. Yeah, it's not going to be simple because uh, obviously uh, to lift the plane with all that tons of, uh, of, of weight and, you know, it's, it, it, needs, it needs the right fuel. So there's, there's two things. Uh, first, I think, and we produced a paper about um, three or four months ago about the roadmap to sustainability to net zero, actually, 2050. And what we, what we saw in this by analyzing, because we were hearing a lot of things, uh, you know, and sometimes some crazy stuff, right? Um, and we, we wanted to give, because as an ex-OAM, with our OAM, you know, DNA, we wanted to give um, people a bit of a more realistic view on where we see the, um, the aviation going uh, on sustainability. And we came up to the conclusion that in the short term, the only thing that matters and that will really make an effect is SAF. Mm. So sustainable aviation fuels. Um, those SAFs will, uh, will be needed. And the problem, the hurdle, the first hurdle we see is, is the, the, the amount of SAF that we will need for the, for the industry. The good news with SAF is a drop in fuel. So you can use it as kerosene. It's yeah. the same formula. It's just made out of waste, out of... Uh, uh, different or chemical uh, processes. There are. We were just talking like there's what, 10, 12, 13, 15 processes to get to SAF, uh, but it doesn't disturb the supply chain. So that is really, really good. The second challenge is that if we just do that, we're still producing carbon in the end in 20, 30 years from now. And I think, you know, it, I compare it like smoking. You know, mm. if you remember maybe 30, 40 years ago, in, in Ireland, in France, in, in every bar in the world, you would have said to people, yeah. you, can't you will not be able to smoke in those places. Yeah. 30 years from now, people will say, yeah, you're mad, like, yeah. Yeah, come on. And it happened. And I think by 2050, net zero will be good, but zero will be good. Yeah. Will be, people will expect zero. To get to zero, the second hurdle we see is, is the investment that will be needed in new technologies because we'll need to have a different fuel whether it is electricity whether it is hydrogen i think yeah. it will be a mix and for the first time in aviation we'll get to see different kind of fuels coexisting because mm. for smaller fuels you can power it with uh you know electric battery electric fuel cells for larger airplanes you will probably need burning hydrogen yeah. the, the big the big the great news with those two uh elements just to talk about those two is that they um they produce no CO2, mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah, you know, it's just water. It's just water from hydrogen. So, yeah. so, so that's the good news. But it it will require a lot of investment mm. from every stakeholder. A lot of funding will be required in this uh, in the whole by the whole industry, and uh, and that's the, the challenge, right? It's at the same time ramping up on the SAF so we can use it right now as as quickly as possible and as much as possible. But at the same time, investing in side technologies, yeah. which will become the technologies of the future. Right. Um, and because by 2050 and after that, you will not be able to create carbon. Even if you recapture everything on one side and net your yeah. zero, 
producing still carbon, yeah. I think, yeah. will be kind of a sin. So we'll have to work on that as well. Yeah, again, I like the analogy with smoking because it, we can clearly visualize it, right? You, it's, um, it's a societal move. Yeah. It's an industry move. It's, and it's not just our industry. So we'll have also to compete with the other industries yeah. uh, on this. Uh, but there's a real commitment behind. And that's what I like. That's what yeah. I see. There's okay. real, real uh, money coming to that. Mm-hmm. We're working also with, um, you know, small manufacturers um, doing those EV tolls and, and small air taxes. And, 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 and these guys will, will bring some of the technologies, will work. Uh, they, they sometimes need help yeah. in terms of getting this into the aviation world. But there's great, great stuff coming there. Really, one of the biggest hurdles is getting all of us together and making sure that we can collaborate and everybody working on the project in the space where they have the innovation and then bringing it to market. Right. Um, bringing it to market in the techno-economic you know, part of the bringing those solutions forward is going to be a real challenge. Um, fortunately, it's a creative group of people that are engaged in this and a lot of interest. So I know we'll get there. Right. Um, it's just a matter of you know getting everybody on board, which yeah. is broader than just the people who are working on it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sustainability in the Air, the world's first podcast dedicated to sustainable aviation. We hope you liked it and will share it with your network. Please also leave us a review. Awareness is the key to a green future. Your support will help our insights on sustainable aviation reach a wider audience. You can also write to us at podcast at simplifying.com. And for more content on sustainable aviation, please visit our website, simplifying.com, and join the movement. <music>